So this is a test. I want to know if I'm streaming. All right, good. So you should hear me and see me. Very good. All right, so we are back. I had a problem with tech, uh, technology. You know, I, I need, I, I'm very close to having all my equipment work all the time, but that's just not the case right now. So I've already done the show. I'm going to do it again. So this time you'll hear me. You're welcome. A lot of people want me to talk about the Robin Hood and GameStop, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the Poor People's Campaign. They're kind of tied. I just want you to know one thing for sure. The GameStop debacle is not about us. We want to think it's about us and maybe we can get a little nut and maybe we can turn our $500 into $1,000 or turn our $500 into $5,000, but that's still not what is what this is about. It's not about the, like, that's not the way to community uplift. Bitcoin will not save us. Dodge will not save us. Your little money, even when you doubled, is still little money. What that it's actually doing is it helps people in the suburbs who have their memas and their papas, trust funds, um, so that they can turn their $40,000 into, you know, $120,000. You, you triple $40,000, it's real money. You triple your $5,000, it's kind of money. Now, let's be honest, you don't have $5,000 you can lose. You're talking about $1,000 or, or uh, 1500 And your 1500 isn't enough to actually, you could quadruple that and you'll still have huge problems. Because at 4500 that's still not enough money to make the kind of moves you need to, move, you need to make. Right? So the GameStop and AMC, sure, buy it if you can, but it's not about us. It's about other people taking out other white people. What we need is an actual campaign that will secure our community. I get my main money from a job, not my stocks, a job. So we need uh, black people working good jobs at fair wages, and then they could, you know, play the stock market on the side. But it's just, it's gambling when we don't have the kind of spare money to lose. And even if we win, it's not going to be enough money to actually make moves. So. We can watch it like you watch a television show, but just know, and you can even participate in it. But it's not about, fundamentally, it's not about us. It's about power. <clears throat> so we should watch how they shut it down. How a, a Robinhood, a stock trading firm, that, whose whole brand is around how you democratize stock uh, um, uh, day trading, has decided that... Uh, it's inconvenient to have so many winners and more importantly, it's inconvenient to have so many hedge fund losers, right? And that's a, this is actually a good segue to my problems with Barber and the poor people's campaign. Reverend Barber leaves uh, poor people's campaign. I think he's leading into the toilet. I do not have a strong sense that that will ever secure black people what we need to be made whole. And, and I, there are a few things and I, you know, I've thought this for a while, but I saw an interview with him about six and I did this at, and I, you know, I thought this after reading the book, you know, the moral awakening of America, the book he wrote on the poor people's campaign. But even at, during COVID, the first thing he said is, all right, so we're going to protest still, but it's going to be safe because we have to do everything we can safely. And safety is the first matter. That means you're just not serious about getting it done because the people you're fighting don't think safety, either yours or their own safety is the first thing, though the most important issue. So if you think safety first and your enemy doesn't think safety first, that means you work for them because they're going to do anything 
um, to make sure that you work for them, right? So the people who took out the, uh, the reopen people who were like, no, we want to reopen our little business. They weren't thinking safety first. The people who stormed the Capitol building, they weren't thinking safety first. But you're telling me a poor people's campaign is going to uh, like take the safety first attitude and, and turn that into like economic security and power? No, not going to happen. Second thing, Barber, um, so the whole ethic of safety first activism is ludicrous. Like even King knew that nonviolence was just nonviolence on your end. You're going to have to beat, get beaten down publicly. For it to work. <laughs> there need to be cameras around. You can't just get beaten down in the dark of the night. That doesn't work. You need to get beaten down publicly um, for it to work. So safety was never going to be first. Right? The, my second problem with Barber is his leadership of the movement is that he's not actually willing to take down Democrats or anyone in particular. He doesn't name names except for Trump and take, and, and, and take them down. When really we... Uh, you need to be able to show that you can make your allies lose, especially if your allies are company Democrats, because they don't care. They're, they're indifferent to you. They've proven themselves indifferent. They work for the bankers who want to kick you out. Kamala Harris works for your land developer, not you. Right? So um, you need to be willing to take out Democrats and not just campaign for a few, a handful of ones you like. Un generally, you need to take out the class you don't. And if you're not willing to do that, you're just not serious, right? So part of uh, autonomy or independence is being able to negate your oppressors, right? So if, you're, if the person you're fighting has designs on you and your life and you can't negate their plans, then that means you're just a tool for their plans because their plans involve you, Right? So, and you need to be you need to talk in these terms. You need to be able to make Democrats lose as well as maybe make them win. But if you can't make them lose, then you're just a tool for, you know, the person who can make Democrats lose because that's a person the company leadership will talk to, right? So, and the third thing is just the fights he picked. He wants, uh, healthcare is important. I, I believe in universal healthcare. I think everyone should be able to go see a doctor and a dentist when they need to see a doctor and a dentist. That's not the same as power. You can have healthcare and still be a slave, right? So you don't want longer life in a degraded condition. You want actually power in your life. So we have a, a, an underdeveloped notion of poverty that's just tied to material sustenance when we should peg it to power. Because if you empower the poor, they'll figure out how to get their own health care and um, yeah, the, the material stuff taken care of, right? So you need to think in terms of power, not just health. The problem, you don't, you don't end poverty by being indifferent to power. You end poverty by empowering. So if you're talking about ending poverty, but you're not always talking about the conditions of empowerment, then you're not serious about ending poverty. It'll just move to a different kind of education. Or you're just working with a fundamentally underdeveloped notion of, impoverty, of, of, of poverty, right? So we need people to have secure jobs. Like at the end of the day, you're not going to make your money off GameStop. You're going to make your money off your job. We need black people. That's, that's us, right? So we need a federal job guarantee, $22 an hour, $20, $22 an hour, doing the cultural and physical infrastructure that like we need to actually thrive in this life and get class sizes down to 10, whatever it takes.
and we can create the money to do that. And you can say, well, you know, all of our jobs are, are going online or all of our jobs are uh, outsourced. Yeah, that's just not true. There's about 60 years of deferred maintenance in Georgia. You can just put every, you can just put every black guy you wanted like could do work for 60 years just to like get the state up. I'm in Athens right now, about 15 miles in any direction except directly towards Atlanta. You know, the internet gets dicey and uh, the, the water gets a little bit brownish, <laughs> especially if there are a lot of black people communicating. So like there, there's 60 years of deferred maintenance in Georgia. And Georgia, the weather's nice, right? So if you actually do the deferred maintenance and fix the physical and cultural infrastructure, people will move in Well, the GDP of the state will go up. But don't tell me that all of the jobs are going away. It's just that the people who need the services, you don't care about. You don't care if like elder community or well checks for black people. Those people just, you know, grow old and die on their own with their house leaded with lead in it and the lead in their water and lead in their paint um, falling down around them. They even have a house, right? So it's not the case that the work is gone. It's the case that the work that needs to get done, um, we, we can't afford it on the private market. So we just live in ramshackle dwellings. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's prohibitively priced on the private market. And we don't prioritize it getting done for black people. Right? So we need a notion of poverty that's not just tied to material sustenance, but also tied to the exercise of power that's family, social, and political power on a par with others. And until we get that, even if we have a little bit of money, we'll still be poor because we don't have power. We're living a degraded poor life. You can have, a, you know, there's that book, uh, $40 million slaves about the professional athletes who are still not empowered. And, you know, this is why people talk about why Kurt Flood was so important. And the, I might do a whole show on Kurt Flood uh, because I just found out about him last year. And, 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 and it turns out that, you know, before Flood, Flood was a Major League Baseball player, before he sued, uh, um, like pretty much your team owned you. <laughs> like, and these were not, these team owners were not particularly great people, like Marge Schott and all these people. Like these were not great people um, who pretty much owned you. And if you wanted to play baseball, you would have to play for them on their terms, right? So like, that's not, not, you might have money, but you don't have power. So we need to talk about poverty in a way that's actually through power, not just through a little bit of extra money, right? That's not through like actual democratization of power. So yeah, Kurt Flood sued for a free agency. And now we have free agents where like you can get drafted, but you, like you actually, you have options. The team doesn't own you in perpetuity. Um, you can put yourself on the market to be drafted and, 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 and sold to other, other, other teams, right? Like of your own agency. You're free. We have free Negroes in the NBA and, 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 and Major League Baseball because of Kurt Flood, right? So go look that up. Maybe, that's, maybe that should be the next Disney Pixar black biopic, the Kurt Flood story. There's a pretty good documentary on it, um, but like I could, I could see it for a treatment because like, if you have an impoverished notion of what it is to be a slave, then you're thinking, well, you know, I've all my life I wanted to play baseball. I'm playing baseball now. I must be free. But actually, it's not that simple. There are lots of ways to be a slave. Right? Um, so we need the kind of economic security that secures political independence. Because if you go, I mean, 
it's hard to organize black people for a variety of reasons, but one of them is our jobs are real fragile. And they're usually working for white people. So if they get loud, then, you know, they don't want bumptious Negroes around. You know, last in, first out. So just keep your mouth shut and, and, and go and collect your check. So you economically secure us with something like a federal job guarantee. You'll find out we have political ideas that we've just been holding to ourselves. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, when was the last time you actually... Uh, I, like black people, our notion of freedom in white America is really distorted, right? Like I'm probably one of the freest Negroes you know, just because I can talk like this on YouTube. By the way, if you like the way I talk and you think I should talk like this more, go ahead and go to www.thefunkyacademic.com, kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month because, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, I'm making myself down white unemployable. And depending on who you talk to, I'm downright unelectable. Although I don't know if that's the case. I think I can move to a black district and run for Congress in 10 years and you guys will have my back. And maybe let me finish this PhD and, and we'll talk about that. So, um, but yeah, but if you want this to grow, go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, dollars or $50 a month and uh, I can have a marketing budget and producer and, 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 and make that happen. And, and, and actually grow this, grow the kind of wisdom I deliver once a week for, you know, free, but, um, uh, yeah, I can stabilize that. I can do it once a week, but right now we're just vulnerable. So you can't talk about addressing poverty without talking about, um, um, uh, 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 democratizing power. If you try to talk about addressing poverty without empowerment, then you're just creating more comfortable slaves, slightly more comfortable slaves. Because they still won't say no to you or actually be able to make moves of their own agency. They're not self-determining. They just happen to not be hungry right now. That's not freedom. That's still a kind of poverty. It's just a, it's a spiritual poverty or poverty that's not necessarily tied to material sustenance immediately, but it's tied to like the instability of rights. You're not poor when you can actually make moves with other people who themselves can also make moves. <laughs> like you could work with them from a position of strength and they're strong and you can work together. Um, that's, that's what a real poor people's campaign um, looks like. Like that's, we're trying to empower people. And so anytime you're talking about healthcare, healthcare is great, right? So people should, should have healthcare. That's fine. Healthcare is not empowerment. Now, I will say that that health bill is debilitating, but healthcare is not empowerment. In the same way that student loan forgiveness is not empowerment. Because there are a lot of Negroes with degrees who can't get good jobs and still be black. I mean, how many jobs have I, uh, how, many, how many times have I been offered to speak and then people are like, yeah, we wanted a smart black guy and you seem great, but we want like the Jonathan Capehart version of you. Can we, can, can we get, you know, another Negro who doesn't make white people feel uncomfortable? And I say, no, <laughs> you get me. Um, uh, so am I free? Really? I don't know. In America. So we need the quality of economic, um, we need the quality of economic stability that allows for political independence uh, on and off the job. 
right? And so, yeah, we need to talk about reparations. We need to be clear about the reparations in terms of assets, asset transfers. We need land and not just the land that you guys have polluted. We need land, like good land, land that I pick. Right? We need to talk about um, white terrorism. We need to, Barbara wants a poor people's campaign that doesn't make white people feel bad about the legacy of whiteness. White people need to feel bad about the legacy of whiteness in America because it's an awful legacy. It's a legacy of terrorism and violence and standing terror. So and like, I don't understand how you could be serious about a racially justice tinged poor people's campaign, but then not be honest about the terror that is infused in American whiteness. And the low-key sociopathy. Someone mentioned that there might not be a white version of of, uh, Real Talk. There might not be a white version of Keeping It 100 because, like, their lives are so shot through with with lies that there is no, like, they don't, they don't keep it 100 with each other. They keep it 75. And then Donald Trump was provocative because he was keeping it 80. <laughs> he raised the ceiling. They don't keep it 100. They don't do real talk. Their whole lives are just lies told to other people who they expect to lie to them. They, like, there is no real talk in white America. And that's a problem if you actually care about justice. They don't keep it 100. Not even amongst themselves. They're just, 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 just lying. Um... So they're lying about where their money came from or lying about like how much their parents helped them out or their, their inheritance or like just lying, lying about where that letter of recommendation came from, lying about how they were selling their ass somewhere else. They're just lying, lying, lying. So there is no keeping it 100 with these people because I don't think they have that kind of concept because the entire nation is built on a quality of terror. Like by them, right? So... And unless you're being honest about that, then you can't fix it because you you can't get justice for poor people and and still be casual about the truth. Right? So, um, yeah. And and let's be honest. If if white people kept it 85, not even 100, they kept it 85, we'd find out we're in a nation full of sociopaths. And And that's if they actually were honest to 85. So I'm just telling you, how it is, uh, and where we're at. And you don't need, you shouldn't have to hear from me. You should hear this from Barber, right? So you can't have a poor people's campaign. So if there are any takeaways from this, you can't have a poor people's campaign that is distinct from an empowerment campaign in America. No, it can't be just about biological needs to like live. It has to be securing power and self-determination. That means economic security. That means asset transfers. Um, that means empowerment on the job because we live in an industrial co- economy and not everybody's going to be a job owner, like an owner. We need people who are workers, but we need black people to be treated like employees and not just slaves. And as far as Barber, when Barber talks about this, he's like, well, we need to strike down all anti-union legislation. That's not enough. You can't just strike down anti-union legislation. You need to mandate every shop with over 50 people is going to be unionized. There's going to be a, a, a worker, um, uh, even sector-wide workers um, that, that the management's going to have to bargain with. Right? And you can have it doing sector-wide. Like, like, we need black people working 40 and $50 an hour jobs. Like, working class people in Iowa were, or Ohio were, in the 80s. <laughs> like, that's, that, that shouldn't be too much. Like, we need those jobs in South Carolina. Um, and that was just because we had, pe- like, the white people in Ohio were 
entitled white people and they fought for what they fought for. Um, so it's not the worst thing to, to work for somebody, but we just need to be employees and not slaves. And we need the economic security that then allows for political independence. And without that, we're just some man's boy. We're just tools or like kind of hangers on and hoping that, that I don't know. Someone doesn't lose a move. I don't, how many of you guys in the chat work in the private sector? Private sector, I, like I've always had government jobs. I've worked a little bit in the private sector. I've had a lot of jobs, right? So I have had private sector jobs, but they've always been like low level. I've just had like, I've had a lot of jobs. But I just like the private sector, people just get fired for being mouthy. And I'm actually a little bit suspicious of any black man who hasn't been fired from the private sector for standing up for black people. Because if you're in the private sector, you're going to have to stand up for black people. And if you're not standing up for black people, then you're standing up on, you're standing on them. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, federal job guarantee because you can, and he's talking, Barbara talks about the minimum wage up to 15. Look, the minimum wage is always zero if you can't get a job. I'll say this again. You can raise the minimum wage to 15, but the minimum wage is always zero if you can't get a job. And stigmatized communities, that's us, have been locked out of, uh, the, the private sector has never treated stigmatized communities um, at fair working conditions and wages. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand why we think the minimum wage is gonna do everything for us. It might actually just get us replaced. So I'm for raising the minimum wage, but I'm also for like a federal job guarantee at $22 an hour. And we should talk about uh, paycheck supports for companies that can't, uh, you know, pay their people and still keep the prices low on their goods, right? So in Europe, for the COVID relief, the government's backstocking many, many companies' paychecks, 70%, 80%. Right, so if we did that here, it would look like instead of subsidizing farms through subsidizing the owners, we subsidize farms for um, uh, we subsidize farms by subsidizing their paychecks, the farm workers, right? So the farm owners need to only pay six, seven dollars an hour, but the government will kick in tax ahead fund guys will kick in the extra, you know, eighteen, right? And so that way we get the work. But the people who are doing the work are paid, right? These aren't, this isn't a crazy, this is like, we have agriculture subsidies. We just have structured them for the people who aren't black. <laughs> As opposed to we have subsidies. We just structure them for people like who aren't like working poor. So a poor people's campaign is going to be like, all right, so we have these same subsidies for this industry, except let's run it through the workers' paychecks as opposed to running it through the owner's coffers. Right? They do it in Europe. Paycheck supports, especially since they laid off so many people in COVID. Um, we could do it here. And that way, you know, we keep the goods and services, but we pay the workers that actually make the goods and services. Right? So you work in the United States and, and, and you do that with a guaranteed job, then we have some very interesting, interesting uh, labor dynamics. We have some very interesting labor dynamics. So... Um, Barber, not specific enough about the asks, not negative enough about uh, his willingness to take the Poor People's Campaign willingness to frustrate the aspirations of company Democrats 
or anybody who gets in the way of black people and self-determination. We have to be willing to frustrate their aspirations. We can't just like, like, this has to be about power. We can't just wag our fingers. It has to be about power. You secure us these jobs or we will make you lose. If you're not talking in those terms, then you're just wasting time. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to be moral with sociopaths. They'll understand power, and then maybe their kids will understand their goodness, but you need to talk in terms of power if you want political goods. And if you, if you want to be relevant. All right, so the Poor People's Campaign needs to talk about power, needs to talk about jobs, and not just getting rid of bad stuff, but actually saying, as a matter of right, you are not free in America unless you are secured a good job at a fair wage with um, a fair say in your working conditions. That means like vacations and all of that stuff. Like I want to be treated like a white employee. <laughs> then, then, you know, and 401ks and all of that, right? So... And that's a matter of right, because without that economic security, you don't have political independence. You're always scared of keeping your mouth shut for the fear of losing your job. Right? So you need economic security in order to have political independence. And since we're not serious about economic security, we're not serious about actually a self-determining black people. Right? And so I hope this has been educational. I hope someone talks to Barbara about power, about he has to talk about making people lose not just what he's for, but what he's going to do to the people who are against what he's for and what the movement can do to them. It's got to be able to frustrate their aspirations because if you're not doing that, then you're just wasting air and everyone's time and nobody takes you seriously. They'll invite you to talk to a prayer breakfast and then go talk to bankers who they actually take seriously. What's going on? I'm just getting water. One of my kids is coming in. All right, so. Um, reframe the movement around power. Reframe, redefine poverty as opposed to just material sustenance, but around empowerment. And if, because it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And reframe it around empowerment. And you actually have to be positive about the conditions of power, which means a federal job guarantee. And not only include health care and everything else, um, but, and I, I think legal care for all, because we're a nation of laws. And if you don't have access to a lawyer, then you're just some man's boy because they can do anything because they have access to a lawyer and we're a nation of laws, right? So I think you need legal care for all. You think you need a federal, federal job guarantee, but mostly you need to think about poverty in terms of not material sustenance, but the ability to exercise rights on a par with others. Because make no mistake, when white people think about missing half a meal, they're rioting. <laughs> they're taking over the Capitol just because an election might not have gone the way they wanted to sometimes, maybe. <laughs> like, like, like you, we need to not just talk about, um, poverty is in terms of, of, of being hungry. We need to talk about poverty is in terms of slights, about like someone slighting our dignity such that we will burn this place down if we are not treated like whole Americans. Um, and all of that entails and all of what that entails. And that we're willing to be hurt publicly and also hurt in order to, to be treated appropriately. And if you're not talking in those terms, then the other people won't take you seriously. Because they only deal with people in those terms.
are you going to frustrate my aspirations? Oh, no? Well, then, uh, well, you just keep talking, Pastor. You just keep it moving, preacher. I, I got real, I have a next meeting to go to with someone who I actually am worried about, right? So, um, thank you for your time. Kick over to www.funkyacademic.com if you like what I'm saying and you think I should keep saying it, which I should and you should, and, you know, spread this video to your friends. Peace. I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in $5, $15, or $50 a month or make one enormous donations. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget for getting better equipment that works all the time because a lot of in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute. Thanks often comes in the form of cash. And the site takes credit cards.